0: Hello, I'm Dominique McMullen, Image Media's Editorial Director. Welcome to this final episode in the second series of Image Talks Fertility, in partnership with Waterstone Clinic. We are nearing that special time of year, Christmas, but for many, Christmas and large family events in general can be challenging. We start to assess the time it's passed since we saw people last, our lives in general, what we want for the new year ahead. We start making resolutions and plans, while at the same time juggling our social calendars, meeting friends, family members and colleagues, some of whom we won't have seen since this time last year. Where sometimes awkward conversations and questions can come up. And make people feel uncomfortable. And this is especially true if fertility is something that is front of your mind. We are recording this podcast today in Waterstone Clinic in Dublin, and I have with me three fertility experts who have all featured in previous episodes. These are some very special women (laughs) who I am very happy to have with me here today. Um, So I'm delighted to welcome Dr. Ethna Lowe, consultant in reproductive medicine, Laura Hackett, fertility nurse specialist, and Marion Otuma, fertility counsellor. In this episode, we're going to get practical. Generally, the emotions that people experience, no matter which treatment they have, are similar. So how can you, as a listener, lessen your worries and manage the holiday season ahead? Dr. Ethnola, hello. We are going to start with you this afternoon. So from a consultant's perspective, what can someone do right now if they feel they might need fertility assistance?
1: So I think the first thing is how do couples come to the decision that they actually need fertility assistance mm. and we know that when couples are naturally fertile 60% will be cu- will be pregnant after 6 months and 90% will be pregnant after a year So sometimes the advice out there is to wait for a year, but Mm -hmm. I wouldn't recommend doing that if women are over the age of 35, if they have very painful periods, very irregular periods, or on the male side, if there's a history of undistended testes or any underlying illnesses. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, the first thing is to decide, do you need to present yourself sooner rather than later? Mm. Um, The next thing then is just general preparation. So it's recommended by the government that all women take folic acid for three months prior to a pregnancy. I would actually recommend a full preconception vitamin for both men and women and additional vitamin D in particular at this time of year when we don't get enough sunshine. Mm. Um, so, you know, preconception vitamins are, you know, the first step. Mm. I would also recommend looking at your lifestyle because, you know, if these are things that you're doing before you come to a fertility clinic, it means you're ahead of the game. Yes. So thinking about stopping cigarette smoking reducing alcohol intake and looking at your diet so that you're eating a good intake of fruit and vegetables and cutting back on the processed food and the takeaways.
0: Mm. Not something that's potentially that easy over Christmas.
1: Well that's the (laughs) trouble and you know it is Christmas that we're concentrating on today but for many of my patients what I say is use your Christmas break as a planning time Mm. so that you can plan your diet, plan what you're going to do and think about these things for the new year because you know you can't be a hermit over Christmas you have to have support from family and friends Mm. and it's a nice time of year to to meet with your family so you don't want to be saying oh no I'm not going out but do have a plan you know for the new year something that you can practically assess.
0: Mm. And if you know you are going to start treatment or you hope to start treatment in the new year what kind of practical advice would you give to somebody in that position?
1: I think it depends on whether you're talking about someone who's just going to make that first step and to contact the clinic for fertility investigations or someone who's actually doing treatment. Yeah. If someone is actually doing treatment, then they will need to be stopped cigarettes and stopped um, alcohol at that time. Mm. But if they're just thinking of contacting a clinic for advice, then they don't necessarily need you know, to be on it straight away, but they need to plan. The other thing I do recommend is that couples engage with their GP Mm. because you need to know that you're medically fit for a pregnancy. It's one of the most stressful things that you'll do to your body. So you need to have a blood pressure check. You need to have your thyroid checked, your blood sugar checked, um, your hemoglobin checked so you know you're not anemic and these are and rubella. Um, immunity Mm, mm. make sure you've had your rubella vaccine so these are all basic things that you can do with your gp even before you come to a fertility clinic so that time isn't passing you know, once you come to see us.
0: And that's something I remember from your episode you talked about, which I didn't really realize that you can take so many steps before you even go to a fertility Absolutely. clinic. Absolutely, yeah. To look after mm-hmm. your health mm-hmm. generally mm-hmm. and to make yeah. sure you're in the best possible position. Yeah, if Someone is frustrated and wanting to make a move now before mm-hmm. Christmas. That is yeah. a great way to do
1: it. Yeah, no, definitely simple things can make a d- difference. And mm. it is a little bit frustrating for me if someone has been trying for two years and they're smoking 40 cigarettes a day, Mm -hmm. you know, because you're trying to say, you know, we'll help you as best we can, of course, but do try and help yourself as well. And I know how hard it is. And again, the GP can help with smoking cessation programs Mm. and can help with Champix prescriptions or whatever one needs, Mm. um, you know, for the support with that.
0: Yeah, GPs sometimes get a bad rap, but they really do have a lot of things. No, no, they, they, they have a lot them. that they yeah. can
1: input into this. Mm. And, you know, so it's important to liaise mm. with your GP, because if you do get pregnant, your GP is going to be your primary carer. Yeah. And, you know, as well as, you know, your local hospital.
0: Mm. If we if we take a little step back, Marion, I'd I'd love to hear from you on this as a fertility counsellor. You said that Christmas can be a difficult time of year actually, whether you're undergoing fertility treatment or not. um, But how can a listener who is going through treatment or planning on going through treatment prepare ahead of the festive season?
2: Okay. Um, And I suppose the reason that Christmas is so hard, I think, for people who are dealing with infertility is that it's so child-focused. So from our nativity stories to Santa, even I'm conscious of how much talk there's been about the toy show. And that's really difficult for people who don't have a baby this Christmas and had really hoped they would Um, so I suppose the first thing I would say to anybody in that position is be compassionate for yourself we tend to downplay what a big issue this is and I'm going to say I should be able to cope with this better I shouldn't get upset if somebody asks me oh you'd want to be getting on now and having kids or whatever whereas in actual fact this is a huge thing Mm -hmm. and it is reasonable and psychologically appropriate to find this time tough I suppose that would be the first thing would be to say, kind of try and be gentle with yourself a little bit in terms of the season. Um, I suppose the other bit of preparation that I kind of talk through with patients is that you will probably, as you alluded to, be in social situations and you will be looking at a lot of the time. I haven't met these people since last Christmas. I don't have a baby. Maybe they've had a pregnancy it's that measuring up bit yeah. and just I suppose to remind yourself going into those social situations that you can leave any conversation to mm. so say all of us have a mobile phone in our pocket you can just pick it out and say my phone is ringing doesn't matter whether it's ringing or not you can just remove yourself from mm. a situation and that we forget that sometimes I think and we feel that we have to stay in a conversation or maybe we're in a social situation and we know somebody's going to announce that they're pregnant yeah. and I don't know how I'm going to be able to keep my game face on when I do it. And you say, you just get up and leave. It, that's okay. Yeah. Um, that we don't have to punish ourselves. We don't have to keep ourselves in positions if it's just too overwhelming for us. Yeah. Um, so I think there is a lot around it in terms of minding yourself yeah. and accepting that this is a tough time and it's okay to find it tough. And that you don't owe anybody anything. Mm. Mm-hmm.
3: And that people probably understand more than we give the external person credit for. Like, everybody knows that feeling of like, oh, yeah, you got a promotion. I'm so happy for you. What am I doing with my life? You know, that immediate like, and there's nothing wrong with it, except when it comes to fertility, we feel like awful people for being jealous or whatever we feel, we feel and we feel like, oh, I'm bad now because I did that as opposed to
2: being like. Absolutely. And (laughs) something that comes up all the time with patients is... I'm such a terrible person because my friend is pregnant, my sister's pregnant, someone's pregnant, and I'm Mm. just finding it so tough. And the reality in those situations is that it's not that you're not happy for them, it's that you're sad for you. Yeah. Mm. Not that you want to take the good news away from them, you just want to have it as well. Mm. And that is, as you say, Laura, that's the most natural of emotions, but we are shamed about it around infertility. We are really made to feel or we make ourselves feel like it somehow makes us a bad person when it's... Absolutely the appropriate way to feel, yeah,
0: and what, what are other kind of emotions that people might expect to feel or might expect to come up over this time of year?
2: Yeah, I think loneliness and isolation are big ones around this, Um, partly because the holiday is child-centered, but also because it's a time where we take stock of the year. Yeah. What has changed between this year and last year? And for a lot of people, there's that sense of, well, the thing I wanted to change Mm -hmm. hasn't. And I'm sure you'd have seen this in the clinic. I see with people coming into me in like March, April Mm -hmm. with a failed cycle saying, I won't have a baby for Christmas. Oh. And um, already at that point of the year, they're looking at, I had really thought in my head that I would have a new baby sitting beside the Christmas tree. I, I had this fantasy, I had this idea, and it's not going to happen now. And so I think it's a really emotive time of year yeah. around pregnancy and babies. So I think that isolation is a one that comes up for a lot of people and a sense of maybe being a little bit outside the bubble.
0: Yeah.
2: yeah. I'm, I'm looking in at other people experiencing Christmas rather than experiencing Christmas myself.
0: Um, it's, it's powerful stuff, isn't it? It's, it's real stuff. What, what advice would you give to listeners in terms of support networks, in terms of building that, you know, support around you that you know you'll be able to get through this time of year?
2: Yeah. Like, who do you
0: share with or not?
2: And I think that's it's different in every situation because I would love to be able to say to people, tell all your friends and they'll be supportive and they'll mind you in this. And sometimes people's friends and family are very supportive. A lot of the time they're very awkward Mm. and they don't know what to say. And when I talk to people outside of a clinical setting and I tell them what I do, I get asked so often by people, what do you say to somebody? Like my friend had a miscarriage and I don't know how to talk to her. My sister's going through IVF, I think, but I haven't spoken to her about it. That sort of Mm. thing comes up a lot. And I think because of people's discomfort with it we rush to solution yeah and so what patients will experience a lot they tell people is this oh it's going to be okay for you I know what's going to happen for you or you need to light a candle or you need to eat some kale or you need to they rush to a solution because they can't sit with the uncertainty Mm. Um, and what you need is to try and find people in your life that can sit with you in the uncertainty and can go it's really hard that you're going through this what would you like and when I get asked by other people "What, what should I do for somebody who's having IVF always ask them it's okay to say to someone I haven't had IVF I don't know what it's like do you want me to talk to you about it do you want me to shut up about it and talk about television what what do you want from me or what do you need from me Mm. in this that's a much better way of dealing with it than just not speaking about it it doesn't sound like
0: rocket science whatever but no like so few people manage that just to ask, yeah, you know, what do you need right now? What do you want to talk about? What do you not want me to talk about?
3: Yeah.
0: And a huge part of that, I think, is that people don't actually know what IVF is.
2: Like, yeah. sometimes
3: I hear, like, let's say my parents' generation say, that's an IVF baby. And I'm like, what does that mean?
2: And my parents even are like...
3: Uh, something in the lab and then there's maybe like they don't really get that like it's natural conception outside the human body it's like yeah. the same support as anyone needs going through a tough time
2: do you know mm. absolutely and there's also an expectation that it always works mm-hmm. um, which is also takes a lot from the support that patients get because like oh you can just have IVF yeah. that's what everyone does now and I think, oh, okay but that actually could mean any one of a number of different treatments none of which have 100% of a success rate mm. and it can feel quite dismissing mm. to patients that was something that Maria in our IVF at 40 episode
0: <clears throat> a beautiful guest that we had on she touched on that about how she thought that just Once you have IVF, that's it. You have your baby. It's Mm -hmm. just the solution. I'm sure, Ethne, you know more than anybody, it certainly isn't always that way. Absolutely.
1: And I think, you know, the thing is that When you're trying to support your friends it's not to support them at the end point you know when the test comes did it work Mm. it's to be there actually (laughs) beforehand you know because that's why a lot of couples don't share that they're doing IVF because they don't want 10 phone calls on the day they're doing the pregnancy test did it work Mm. you know they want to have time to process the information themselves so it's aware you know people knowing that they need to be sensitive because the success rates are not guaranteed
0: Mm. yeah a a tough thing to to notice and to understand but so important if you're going through it for your friends to know that mm-hmm. and, and and talking about friends and support networks what about your partner how can you help him or her to help you if you are going through
2: treatment Marion well I suppose the first point for me always is communication can you talk to each other about it and I suppose you remember in it that you were both going through the same Well, you're getting to the same goal or you're hoping for the same goal, but you're going through different journeys. So there is a different weighting in terms of a woman's experience of it versus a man's experience of it, but they both have exactly the same amount of skin in the game in terms of the outcome. And so when you're, I suppose, explaining to your partner how they can support you, you do also have to be aware that they might need some support as well. Yeah. And that it's a two-way thing. And, And often, I suppose, men can have a sense that their role in it is mind the female partner Mm -hmm. um and that their own feelings about it can be a little bit disenfranchised then which actually makes it harder to support the partner Mm -hmm. that makes sense because they can't say i'm having a bad day today actually as well or they feel they can't open up in the same way so i suppose the first thing i would say is communication and the second thing is fun Mm -hmm. for i ask so many couples when they come in you know are you having fun Mm -hmm. no 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 No. because and it's it's really important in that fertility treatment and infertility it takes away from your reservoir of resilience it drains your resilience and nothing is filling that back up because for a lot of people they're working to pay for IVF they can't book the holiday because they're not sure if they have the money Mm. they don't want to change the car because they don't know if they need a car seat or not and it's all of that stuff that makes them feel very stuck and there's no fun yeah so even over Christmas to say look and go okay can we organize some fun for ourselves Mm. And it doesn't have to cost a fortune. It might just be we'll go to the beach, we'll have a nice walk, we'll grab a coffee, we'll do whatever. But to schedule in some time, we're like, we're going to have fun. Maybe we're going to say we're not going to talk about the IVF today. We're just going to go out, have a bit of fun and remember why it is that we're in this. Remember the relationship part of it, because that gets damaged and it's much more difficult to support someone when you're not having fun with them, when the relationship itself is being slightly eroded by the stress that you're both under with the treatment.
0: And that's true for all, like oh, yeah. all throughout relationships. I yeah. Like once you have <laughs> the babies, yeah, yep. you still need to be doing that yeah. if you can.
2: <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure you'll see for an awful lot of our patients um, a positive pregnancy test is like the goal for so long. Mm. And then you get there, which is fantastic and you're like, oh, there's a whole other risk. <laughs> I'd forgotten that I have to have pregnant and then I have to have a baby. Oh, you it. said it. Said it. it. Yeah. So you do have to have some resilience left yeah. when you get to that point as yeah. well. So it's something that constantly needs to be worked on. Yeah,
0: keep looking after yourself. Mm. And <clears throat> you're obviously a fertility counsellor. So at what point should people go and see your fertility counsellor? And, and what might they talk about then? Or, or does everybody go?
2: So I suppose in, in our clinic, people come to me for implications counselling if they're doing donor treatment. And that's something that all those cohort of patients will do. Apart from that, it's as as needed. So patients don't have to attend for counselling, but they can at any stage. Um, And I suppose often it will be maybe that they're in with one of the nurses or one of the doctors and they say, you know, how would you feel about talking to the counsellor? Would you like an opportunity to to have a chat with someone about this? Um, Sometimes it's patient directed. Sometimes patients will ring up themselves and say, I'd, I'd like to talk to the counsellor. More often that happens after they've spoken to the counsellor. So I think once you've come in the door once, it's much easier to come back in and go, mm-hmm. I'd actually like to, to chat again. But I think that, that resilience scale that I was talking about, when I'm looking at patients and them, them asking, you know, should I come for counselling? I would say, well, you have to balance the reservoir of resilience you have versus what's being taken out of it mm-hmm. by IVF, by general life, by everything that's going on. And if that reservoir is dipping, well, one of the things you can do to build up your resilience is come and talk to a counsellor. Yeah. Um, and I suppose get some advice from that person or just a listening ear from that person around what you're going through. Mm. for a lot of people. They're not talking to anyone mm. about the infertility. They're not talking to anyone about the treatment or the impact of it. Mm. Um, and then in, in terms of what we talk about, it's as individual as the patient so sometimes people will come in and they'll be very focused on a treatment or a loss or what's happening in that other times it may just be a how do I balance this with work with family commitments with other things it might be a wider scope so it's as varied as I suppose the patients are loss is probably a big part of it um yeah, because imagine. those losses are quite disenfranchised they're not really um spoken about so failed cycles that sort of thing it can be very difficult for someone to speak about that publicly Um, And so very often they'll come and talk to the counsellor about that.
0: Mm. More great advice for life you know I think everyone should have a counsellor at some point I was was just about to say that I
1: feel an awful lot more fertility patients would benefit from the counselling than actually ask for it Mm. you know I try to encourage patients to go quite regularly because it's just a way of processing your thoughts and dealing with the now of the situation Mm. you know before things become unmanageable or become more difficult for you and it gives you that resilience to deal with the next step you know Mm. and a lot of people say no I don't need that and it's because they think that we're making a judgment that they're not coping and that's not what we're trying to say we're trying to say we'll give you more support as much support as you need we have it here in the clinic for you and The nursing consultations for the scans, you know, they can be 15, 20 minutes. Whereas if you make a counselling appointment, then that is, you know, a long appointment just for you and as many of them as you need, you know. So it's much more supportive and it's there, you know, so why not not avail of it? You know, but it's not us making a judgment to say, you know, you're not coping. That's not what we're at. It's it's trying to just say we'll help you as much as we possibly can.
3: Mm. And one of the things I think people don't realise is that there's no charge for it.
0: Wow. Like it's just
3: a part of our service. Like if you're going through this, you deserve all the help and support that we can give. And that's not just medical, it's everything. It's a holistic approach. So I think sometimes people are like, no, no, no. And it's until you say, you know, it's completely part of your service. You're already in this. Mm. The minute you come through our door, you have access to Marion. And I think it's worth being aware. Incredible. Isn't it amazing? It is. Yeah. Yeah. Because
2: and it is like fertility treatment is expensive and people, women particularly, are not always great at prioritising their self-care around that so it's like, oh, we can't spend money on that or, as you say, I think of that idea of, oh God, do they think I'm a basket case? Oh, God, they're, they're <laughs> did I say that? And that's, <laughs> that's what I hear all the time it's like, and you can see the shoulders go down and I'm like, it's not, it's not a judgement, it's yeah. absolutely not a judgement, yeah. it's It's just this is tough, and you're finding this tough because it is tough, not because of any failing of yours. It's because this is hard stuff. Mm. And it's a recognition that it's not just your body going
0: through it. How, if we go back to preparing for the festive season ahead, how do you think someone can kind of take control right now?
3: Yeah, so I have this thing called silly season, and it kicks Mm. off like now, end of November, early December. But it's not like the silly season that everyone's talking about going and like, (laughs) getting drunk every night of the week it's the silly season of like 90% of the people you meet say something silly and it's completely on them and it's to start today drilling that into your head like this is silly season this person is not equipped to deal with anything sort of like practical or heavy you know so they're asking me this ridiculous question that like you definitely can't ask back because like how you make a baby is private and you don't ask any other private questions so it's very much one of those ones to start drilling into your head now that yeah you're going to get the sting of the question but you have to remember that like it's not actually a reflection at all on you I think Mm -hmm. it's to start preparing to think okay this is on them It hurt me, but I, you know, I'm a whole other person and I didn't say that. And that was a really silly thing for them to say. I think like overall planning forward, Aetna had some great advice there. It's like you know think about what you're doing plan for how oh, you're going to do. give everything up if you're at the start of a journey no. or the middle of a journey if you're in treatment it's to sort of figure out how you can balance that social life that family life with you know the, the you know the reality of like enjoying your Christmas yeah there are no guarantees as we said which is part, hard part of the whole thing that you don't know that even if you do treatment that you're going to come out at the other end you know with that positive pregnancy test or whatever so it's mm-hmm like have your fun meet your family don't you know you know forget about all of the other relationships mm. and it's just to kind of prepare yourself mentally first I think going into the season for yeah. like okay who do I really want to see and who am I going to want to see in six months you know? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's to remember like that was a silly thing that they said but it actually had nothing to do with me do yeah. you know yeah um I think that would be my like major advice going into these four or five weeks, yeah. where you're walking into sort of like anxiety-ridden places. It's to take back your own sense of like, hold on a minute, that strange question you just asked yeah. me, you know. And everyone's going to
0: have that weird uncle,
2: yeah. you know, someone yeah, who says something often,
0: inappropriate. And, yeah, yeah, awkward.
2: And I would often give the example to patients that say, as a collective society, we have decided that when somebody dies you go, you shake a person's hand and you say, I'm sorry for your troubles. Yeah. And the reason we do that is that if people go off script, they say the most crazy stuff. Because we don't know <laughs> yeah. how to deal with that level of anxiety. So people just, yeah. so we've all gathered together and gone, this is what you do. You just go in, you shake hands, you say <laughs> this and you leave before you say anything stupid. We need something similar for yeah. fertility. We probably need it for a lot of things, but we don't have it. So people are on that off script sort yeah. of rodeo the entire way through. And again, I think it's useful, as Laura's saying, to remember that isn't my stuff it's their stuff yeah it's their not thinking or their own anxiety that's causing them to ask these questions or do these things
0: mm. yeah you, you can't underestimate how stupid people are <laughs> yeah. These things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um and, and what if a person is planning treatment for the new year or even if they're planning to move clinics which is something that's been no- up brought up once or twice
3: yes that's actually a huge question I get all the time it's kind of like you know sometimes I think it's such a private journey and it's such a big decision to make that first phone call that people feel like and now I just stay here and I stay here forever
2: do you know It, it sort of
3: feels like another trapped area because you're not getting your outcome and you never leave and you never get a second opinion or whatever and like We find here a lot of the time, like the second opinion is like, yes, that doctor possibly is correct in everything that they've brought forward. And you see someone's shoulders go from like up here because of all the things they've read online and just melt down and be like, oh my goodness, like that's amazing or whatever. Or you mightn't feel heard in your clinic. And that's not to say that a doctor is good or bad or indifferent. It's just like, we will have bonds with our clinical team stronger with some than others. And that's just totally normal. Mm -hmm. So we think if you are thinking of those things, like the practical thing, if you're thinking of get coming to a clinic or, you know, changing a clinic or anything like that, if you're at that point, it's like, get all your information together you know find out about your past history your mom's menopause age like you know did your mom find it difficult to get pregnant did your grandmother like is there anything like that you should kind of start to make those decisions like Etna said you know maybe i'll be seen sooner rather than later if you're in a clinic they'll have documented everything so well any treatments you've had anything you've gone through the only thing you never get access to is the counseling <laughs>
2: my files are closed <laughs> That's good. Um,
3: and you can ask for those they take a few weeks
2: yeah, to get yeah. that
3: information together so even if you knew you know at the start of December I've asked for all my information I'll have it mid-January I can book an appointment for the end of January and then you can exhale and think that's a fresh start do you yeah. know even though it mightn't be the start you thought you'd have but it's a fresh start that it's can really yeah mm. make you feel back on top of what you're doing for
0: you again Mm. for sure you touched on there something interesting about like my mom's menopause age for example is that something you could have conversations with over family over Christmas are they the types of questions that would be helpful to ask they are
3: so helpful like asking those questions with your mom with the women in your family it's like if you don't even want to really share you can hint that like This is like, so that they stop asking you, when are you going to get pregnant? If you hint at things like that, people start to realize like, just don't ask those questions it's not it's not a kind question it's not a nice question question. they're trying to find something here and I wouldn't ask anyone else these questions so it can be really helpful and it can give your family a sense of inclusion particularly like female to female it's always a strong bond those kind of conversations and yeah you can find out a lot like you know your mother could say oh well you know I went through menopause or it took me two years to conceive your brother or whatever." Even to a point that you're comforted that you're like, oh, I thought my mom just had, yeah. you know, three year sure. gaps out of choice or whatever, that you can be like, okay, this isn't crazy. Yeah. I can exhale a bit and just be like, right, this was mom's story and look where she is. And you it's know?
0: great information, I would presume, for. A person to be able to bring to the clinic
3: for sure yeah for sure helpful. it's never like a diagnostic piece of information but, no, but it, it, it is adds. one that would be what, like you know okay so your mom went through menopause younger it's probably worth you Notion. know yeah yeah having done mm-hmm. and a scan and yeah. you know and and thinking how many children do you want so how should we plan this mm. rather than oh you've got five years but then you're really under pressure to have
0: number two. You know, that kind of... Yeah, absolutely. And something that we've touched on earlier, but I think is is really important to emphasise, and I'd love for you to talk more about, is the supports available within the clinic, depending on what stage of the journey Mm -hmm. you're at. Could you tell us a bit more about that?
3: Yeah, so, I mean, obviously I think one part that might be underestimated a bit is the medical team's support of you. Like, we are absolutely here to listen and talk and answer questions. Mm. And I'm like, ask, 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 ask. Just keep asking because Mm. I don't know what any individual is thinking, but I do know that we have a lot, hopefully, of the information Mm. that you were looking for. And sometimes it's so complicated that you can kind of mix things up and then get
2: really worked up. I'm sure Marion sees this all the time and people come in to me and they're like, and I Googled this, and you're going to go, but would you ask the consultant? And sometimes they'll look at you going, can I? And I'm like, absolutely. They have your file. They know your medical history, and they will be able to explain it to you far better than Dr. Google because they're taking medical terms and trying to figure them out themselves. And sometimes it just doesn't occur to them that actually I have a consultant. There are nurses in the clinic. I can just email them or Mm -hmm. ring them and get the actual answer for me Mm. because even if something is generally true it might not be true for you so a patient might be saying why did I not have this blood test and the answer is very simple from a doctor's point of view I don't know what it is but (laughs) No, no, no. no but absolutely you get people who
1: google stuff which is not actually relevant to their treatment it's just one of these things that we do as a routine or we don't do as a routine you know so it's it's one of those things that you have to ask to know because yes. we're not going to go through the microscopic details of everything that happens in the lab you know, or the reason why certain protocols are chosen. But if you ask, you know, we can certainly give
0: you the details. You There's know, no such because it's a stupid question. Oh, well, well, no, absolutely, no. that's mm-hmm. my favorite
1: line. Yeah. you've stolen it because I just think it's so important to get it off your head. Yeah, you know, people lie in bed at night thinking, "I wish I'd asked it. I wish I'd asked that." And that's what I love about our portal messaging system. Mm. You know, if you're lying there awake and you can't sleep, get up mm-hmm. and send a portal message in, and then the nurses will pick it up first thing in the morning. And get back to you. You know, you don't wow. have to yeah, keep so it in that's... your head all night. You can fire it or out. No <laughs> I
3: don't need such but a. But you can just
1: fire it into the clinic. It's
0: like a DM, mm, is it? Yeah, yeah, a yeah. Group of yeah. You just, you,
3: And it's like on your private platform. It's totally secure, and you go into like the nurses, and someone will pick up. You could say like, "Hi, Laura," and then we'll pick it up, and we'll be able to say, "Oh no, mm-hmm. you don't need to worry about that because of this, that, the other, whatever it is, or." You will need to get these bloods done. Why don't you book them this week so that it's done before December? Or don't get it done that week because you might have a bruise on your arm that you don't want to explain. You know the way it's the practical, get it off your chest, just like clear your mind and and de-stress in the Mm. sense of like, you know, how many, what was the size, what was this, what was that? We'd rather you ask than
1: worry for three weeks yeah. and then you know, people saying like why did you trigger my follicles at 17 instead of 18 or you know something that actually doesn't make a difference to the outcome of the pregnancy rates but we're happy to explain mm. what the reasoning was mm. and to discuss it with the the cycle you know it, it's it's funny what people will read and people will get upset about yeah which actually it wouldn't even occur to us mm. to, to mention yeah. because it, it's so straightforward and we do it every single day but you know that's what you know our consultations are for we're there to answer any questions that you know you can put to us but no question is too stupid <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: and like that obviously we have the counseling and we've the team but I think some things that are underestimated are things like the patient's support of each other mm-hmm. so there are like supports like NISIG um, and that that people can access but like the tree of hope. I don't know if you saw our Christmas tree downstairs. I did. It oh, so is nice. beautiful. I know. So there is um, six bubbles on that here. But Cork actually have two trees up now, because people or their patients, let's say, when they have a baby, send in little decorations to put on the tree, right? Of like whatever, or like grandparents sometimes send it in to be like, "Thank you for making me a granny" or a granddad, or you'll never understand what that means. I know it's, it's so, so nice. It's like it's every working. year, we're all like so emotional about it but you know sometimes you're like oh I feel like that's a bit in my face and I'm like no that's one person who sat in your exact shoes
2: that might have been doing
3: it for three Christmases that was looking at that tree thinking I'm gonna get it up patients are trying to communicate with each other like it it actually happens like this can work just you know it yeah. this is not a good time of year but like you never know where next year you'll be. It's amazing. And then there's a patient in court. It's amazing. I know I'm like, Cork, yeah, court, court, court. Yeah. But she sends in baby like baby dust, like little glass vials of it. And it's for patients to take to like bring home their baby dust. It's just her way of sending all her best wishes. So wow. it's there too, that support. And I think it's such an amazing support. It's been a big focus for us to find a way to kind of Mm. build it and pull it forward Mm. that like patients can literally find each other and find that support with one another to know like people have gone through it they were just as scared and like in this unknown as you are and here, a year later, they get to send in their decoration. It's just so... I got goosebumps yeah. when
0: you were saying that. That was really It's so it. beautiful. It's, it's so cute. Yeah. We have special.
3: downstairs, and you'll see there, there's six baubles on it with, like, little love hearts, and we have the first name and just the date, the day and month that they were born mm. of all our little Dublin patients all around the tree. It's just, I think it's that, like, support yeah. that comes from the actual people coming through here for yeah. each other. It's just... There's a lot going on. And I think on the face, you mightn't see it or think of it when you think of a fertility clinic, but it's most certainly, I hope here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And lastly, we've kind of finished most episodes with advice from each of each of you and each of the experts about what they would say to someone, to a listener who's out there right now, who might be thinking about taking those first steps. What would you say to them if they were sitting in front of you right now? So Let's start with you Laura The
3: first steps Well I think I think if you're thinking of taking your first steps You should definitely realise how brave it is yeah. To take that first step It's actually much easier Once you make that phone call And book your bloods Your partner's semen analysis If it's a male partner And book in to see the doctor Like once that happens A lot of the stress goes mm. But I think for me right now My major advice is It's silly season And it's got nothing to do with you
0: Yeah Very wise words. Ethna.
1: And my other advice to couples thinking about starting treatment is not to overthink it Mm. because you get a lot of not great advice out there, you know. (laughs) So I get women coming in who have given up wheat, have given up dairy, have become vegan, have whatever, you know, thinking that this is the most healthy possible thing to do. And I'm not saying that these are not healthy things to do, but you need to be aware of, you know, where are you getting your calcium from, where are you getting your iron from, where are you getting your B12 from, so you can't just say, I'm doing this. Mm. You have to do it with support and do it, you know, with a nutritionist if if it's, you know, something quite serious that you're mm-hmm. thinking of changing to. It, it's don't overthink it. You know, yeah. everybody else out there is getting pregnant on relatively normal diets. So if it's not something that you're doing already is is to try not to overstate what you have to do or what people say you should be doing yeah. to get pregnant.
0: Yeah.
2: And what about you, Marion? I suppose my takeaway would be compassion, to try and have compassion for yourself in this. And that this is difficult. It is difficult if you're trying to get pregnant and you're not pregnant. It's difficult to pick up the phone and make an appointment. It's difficult to come in and have treatment. There are different sorts of difficult, but there's difficulty in all of them. Mm -hmm. And that it's okay That not every day will be great for you and it's okay to have down days it's okay to have days where you feel jealous or sad and that you're doing your best in a tough situation and that's enough
1: yeah and just to be aware it's not your fault Mm. you know people are having difficulty getting pregnant but you know It usually isn't anything they're actively doing, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just something nature has handed them, you know, a bad deck of cards and we're trying to, you know, sort them out for them. So just remember, it's not your fault and don't go looking for blame or beating yourself up, you know, and if you do have that extra, you know, bit of cake over Christmas, don't beat yourself (laughs) up, you know, (laughs) It's, it's just move on and start again, you know.
0: Yeah, that, that's such wise words. I feel like that was something that was pointed out in a lot of the episodes this series. It is not your fault. I think Dr. Google has a big part to play in that. Mm-hmm. People get bad information. It is not your fault. It is not your fault.
2: So I think it's also important to remember that while this can be difficult, it can also be a really hopeful time. And it can be a time where you feel positively and particularly if someone's been trying to get pregnant for a while and it hasn't been working, there's a sense of I'm now taking ownership of this mm. and I'm moving forward and that it can be the beginning of your family and that that can be something really positive.
0: Very important words. Um, I think, unfortunately, that is where we're <laughs> going to have to leave it. I could talk to you guys all day. So thank you so much for being here um, um, and for such sound advice that I know is going to help a lot of people. Um Before I sign off, I'd like to also take this opportunity to thank Waterstone Clinic for partnering with us on Image Talks Fertility, and thank you to all their phenomenal experts for sharing so generously their time and their sage advice. Thank you also and especially to our guests this season, Your stories truly make all the difference. And I'd like to make a special mention of Anya and James, who featured in our Male Factor Infertility episode and have since welcomed a beautiful baby boy. We could not be more happy for you both. And thank you finally to you, dear listener. Please remember you are not alone. Reach out for help if you need it. Wishing you peace and prosperity for 2023.